Eric Bakey from Paradigm Dog Training is coming up next on Veteran on the Move. Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. At Navy Federal Credit Union, we want you to know that we have your back. We've all faced tough challenges individually, but right now, we're facing some together. And the safety of our members, employees, and community is our first priority. All right, we're talking with Army veteran Eric Bakey from PMA Performance in Paradigm Dog Training. Uh, Eric, thanks for the uh, thanks for joining us here on Veteran on the Move. Before we get to talking about entrepreneurship and business, take us back. Tell us what you did in the Army. I joined the Army after high school as an engineer, enlisted engineer, and uh, fortunately, I, I, as an engineer, you kind of get to play lots of different roles. Uh, Learn how to blow stuff up and dig ditches, and neither of them are very lucrative. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, um, when I was presented with the opportunity to, to leave, I did. Um, but for, before then, I, I did get to deploy to Ramadi, Iraq in 2006 during some of the bloodiest battles of the war. And I uh, got to have some very interesting experiences that have developed me into the person I am today. So I'm very grateful for the challenges and the, the honor to have served and, uh, and very thankful for those who continue to serve and those guys who came before me. Yeah. I spent a lot of time in and around that area. I was uh, seven months there at Altakadam, uh, right between Ramadi and Fallujah. Um, mm-hmm. Spent a lot of time flying around both those cities and a lot of time out west and Baghdad and everything else. So certainly can relate, uh, especially if you were driving around on the roads very much. So mm-hmm. appreciate that. Um, so let me uh, so talk, talk a little bit to us about uh, when you decided to get out of the Army, what your transition was like. Well, I... I had like a lot of time to make up as far as being a young adulthood and wearing a uh, uniform from the time I was 18 to 23 or so. And so I decided to drink my myself half to death, I think. Uh, <laughs> when, so when I, I got out, I really had no direction of what I wanted to do. And I had you know, 90 days paid leave or whatever to, to try to sort things out. And, and so I decided to, to just kind of wait to the last minute because I didn't have any real direction for why I joined the army or have a real direction for why I was leaving. I just was just kind of going through the motions or whatever. And I was very fortunate to have signed up for helmets to hard hats. Uh, so plugged that organization. Uh, I had a Sergeant major from who knows where I wish I could reach out to him and thank him. But he called me up and was like, Sergeant Bake, you better get up off your ass and get down there. <laughs> the, uh, the elevator industry is taking an aptitude test and you're too smart to be doing the stupid stuff that you're doing, um, get off your ass and go take the test. And so I went down to the, like the, the recruiting station for the tradespeople, mm-hmm. uh, took, took a, a, a test and they had me interview with a bunch of salty old elevator guys. I told them that I had learned some, some stuff in the army, but nothing really that applied to the civilian world. And I have to kind of start all over again. And they said, well, if you're willing and able, we'll help you, uh, get into a skilled trade. And so I was, I, I went through a, a, a five-year apprenticeship to become a master elevator mechanic. Hmm. Uh, I got to do, I got to, I worked my way up to become a foreman and then ultimately a superintendent for, here's a mouthful, the largest vertical transportation project in the history of the United States. Wow. Uh, in 
DC went, uh, we were doing a modernization of some 10 story tall escalators in the DC Metro. And so that was a, a, an incredible experience to apply my field craft of you know, spinning wrenches of welding and stacking steel with some leadership skills that I had I developed both in the army and in the, the you know, run and work in the, my budding civilian career. But then I realized I was building somebody else's dream I, and uh, I needed to go. I really, I, I really wanted to start my own business. And so uh, once I got that project wrapped up, I took my little bonus that I took, I could do and uh, decided to go start my own thing. So, Oh, no kidding. You ended up walking away from all of it, huh? I did. I, it was, and it, I probably did it way too soon. I, I look back and it could have transitioned from my civilian career to entrepreneurship way, a way smarter path rather yeah. than just jumping off and <laughs> figuring out on the way. I, I just felt like I was, I felt like I was stealing from my employer because I was like hustling on the side, doing all this little, like what I was doing was internet marketing stuff. And, and mm. for those who are familiar, I was building a, my, like copywriting chops. I was doing Facebook ads and writing email marketing stuff for local businesses. And, uh, I just felt like I, I, it was, I just felt like I was not authentically going full all in on my clients and not all in on my civilian career. And I just felt like a lack of integrity and just wanted to go, I wanted to do the right thing yeah. and not, you know, just go, go whole hog in this whole entrepreneurship thing. So, okay. Yeah. Vertical transportation. I haven't heard that term before. So like if you're hanging out, you hang out in the bar and some of this, so what, so what kind of business are you and well, I'm involved in vertical transportation. I get, <laughs> I get, I get, I'm in, I'm in horizontal transportation, point A to mm-hmm. point B myself. <laughs> the, the elevator man, I felt like I needed to have more of a, a pizzazz to it. Uh, you know, it's, I install elevators was just too simple for a, someone who was, who tried to make it sound sophisticated. So yeah, hey, I got it. I got an elevator question for you. I've always wondered this. So, you know how every US, every elevator in the U.S., when you press, like, I'm going to go to floor 10, you're like, oh, no, wait, I really wanted to go to floor 11. You can't deselect floor 10. So That is correct. Okay. So I fly, a lot to, I fly a lot to Asia these days. In China, the elevators in the hotels will let you deselect the floor. Wow. Like if you press 10 and you press it twice, it'll deselect it. Huh. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me! Somebody finally figured it out. <laughs> so well, I've always heard here that. Here I am you- talking to a U.S. elevator guy. I'm like, man, somebody in China figured it out. You guys got to bring that to the U.S. Well, in the U.S., <laughs> people think that if you push a button ten or fifteen times, they'll get the door to shut fast and you'll go faster. So <laughs> confuse the 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 city folk of, of the United States. So. Yeah, if you're waiting for the elevator in the hallway, the more times you press the button, the faster it'll get there too, right? Exactly, exactly. That's that's a fact. <laughs> oh man, so so you pretty much so you were already doing a little bit on the side while you're still installing elevators, and actually your conscience got to you, start feeling good, you just quit and walked away from it altogether. So, what was that transition like? Uh, going from a steady paycheck to now you're on your own. The the funny thing is, it's like when you're making two incomes, and it, it, it kind of I was 29 years old and said, you know, I'm, by the time I'm 30 years old, I'm never gonna have to work for anybody ever again. I'm just gonna do this thing. I'm making <laughs> I'm making six figures in my civilian job and have a side, uh, you know, a six figure side hustle. I'm like, oh, I I got you know, I, no no wife or kids or anything. And so I'm like, I got this. Like I'm smarter than everybody. I can't mm-hmm. believe, you know, 
how how easy this money just shoots out of my computer. It's awesome. And so um, I proceeded to burn through uh, all of that income very quickly once I I got like this 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 fifty thousand dollar check. And uh, I'm like, man, like I drive a used pickup truck. <laughs> I uh, I have a couple houses and I'm just living the stream. And then I, I got I got lazy. I got I really thought that that clients were going to be able to just find out how incredible I was at this thing mm-hmm. and how the, the, my skills are so good that the, it's just going to sell themselves. And, um, and it, it just does not work that way. Um, it's like, in, in, it's a, it's a dream to think that you were going to, uh, like this passive income thing. Like it's, it's, uh, it's not that easy. <laughs> so, so especially going from two six figure incomes to also, okay, I'm just going to do this, this side hustle thing. They're going to make it my full time thing. And I, can, I think I can make more money. Um, and I proceeded to struggle for you know, three or four years. I'm, I'm about to be 35. So, you know, about three years of screwing around and making a boatload of money and then thinking I've got it all figured out and kind of screwing around with uh, little small jobs and figuring out that my effective hourly rate was not nearly as what I, you know, I would have made more money if I just stayed working for my, my, my day job. Um, but being too proud to go back to it and, and still trying to make this side hustle marketing thing work. And it, you know, when it works, it works really good. And there's a lot of money to be made, uh, as a, as a marketer and copywriter and internet marketing, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was not consistent, especially when you take a take on a client to, to perform a, a result and then you've got to then fulfill on that. You get you let your mouth uh, write a check that you you got your your assets to cash. Uh, so the, all the time you spend sales and marketing for yourself, and then you've got to actually fulfill on it for somebody else. And so I mm-hmm. I sh- I should have built a, a better team. I had a loose group of freelancers that helped me in my weak spots. Like I'm not a great graphic designer. I'm not, I don't want to, to be doing web development. Once I set up like a Facebook ad like stuff, I don't want to keep on managing it and ultimately it is a it's a it's a i traded one job for a low-paying self-employment job is what it it turned out to be um and then i got i would get frustrated with one set of clients like i got really good at you know i I was working with a lot of gyms and the high-end crossfit gyms and Mm -hmm. health clubs and stuff like that and i would get really good at it and i would get bored and get sick of the kind of people who own gyms so i jumped from fitness industry to the finance industry so working with a whole bunch of like financial advisors and uh, brokers of different kinds of insurances get bored with that. So then I go to another thing and just keep on jumping from one thing to the next thing, to the next thing as a, as a shiny object entrepreneur uh, <laughs> person. And I wish I would have figured out my niche and exited my civilian career and figured out a way to apply my civilian career before just jumping into whatever shiny object make money opportunity was right in front of me. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of as a as an opportunist entrepreneur, you know, you you, you figure it out. But uh, it, looking back, connecting the dots is it's painful to even recap this with you here. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, some of us have to go through that. They some of us have to chase every shiny object that we see for several years to finally realize that we need to figure out something to settle in on and 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 get get our uh, boresight set. Yeah, and, and that's ultimately what brought me to, to dog training. Uh, I had been messing around with dogs for years. Um, mm. When I, Before I got into the elevator trade, I had applied for the Baltimore City Police, and I had seen them 
with these police dogs. You know, I had I had mess I had seen military working dogs, but I really didn't know what it meant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was doing rock clearance and stuff like that. But it, but you know, it's one thing when it's just you know another like you know you see the Navy EOD guys doing badass stuff and you know, cool. Those guys are cool. Their shorts are really short, but you no, know, whatever. Right? <laughs> That's those guys. And then so I thought I wanted to maybe be a cop. I saw the so the police canines and started volunteering and doing. Uh, I got into sport dog stuff and I just saw what was really possible with these dogs. And fortunately, my you know, the elevator trade pays really well. So I I would spend my weekends and free time training these dogs as in the, in the sport world for IPO shoots and uh, PSA and all these like sport dog these police sporting protection dog sports. And I had been messing around with it, and that was um, when I wasn't spinning wrenches or uh writing all my marketing stuff uh, i was training dogs i'm like you know what? like this the whole reason i wanted to to leave my day job was so i could spend more time doing the things i wanted to do and that was training dogs and I, you know, i'm like wow I've got, i have 10 years experience now looking back like i've been training dogs competitively for like 10 years i wonder if if people would actually pay me to do this mm-hmm. and and like, what if I apply instead of chasing all these different kinds of shiny objects, marketing uh, niches, what if I just like applied that marketing stuff to my own business and like made it a real business instead of just uh, wh- you know, whatever, like whatever kind of, hey, I'll sell your stuff. Uh, what if I just like <laughs> drank, uh, drank my own Kool-Aid and did the thing and built like a, a, pr- a premium private dog training business and it's been going it's it's been incredible. So I uh, found my found my focus, found peace. Um, it's been transformational. I've I got uh, it's really it's it's dog training disguised as as personal development, and it's allowed me to apply my my street smart salesmanship and persuasion skills that were helped me be effective online mm-hmm. uh, with true leadership principles to lead people to a result with. You know, helping create a harmonious household with their dogs, and not. I I thought maybe people would want to do like protection dog sports and do all this. Like I've been doing hunting dog stuff. Um, I thought that other people would want. You know, maybe, like who am I to to do this? Because I like I haven't won any of these competitions. But really, the the people just want someone who cares about them and helps them. You know, help make their house a harmonious home without their dog yanking on their arm or biting somebody or or peeing on their floor or whatever. So. You know, I just, it didn't, it didn't require any kind of rocket surgery to figure out, okay, let me figure out who can pay me a living wage to do this dog training thing and apply my marketing skills to get myself fully booked. Yeah. And, so you, you know, so you find yourself actually just doing basic, uh, family dog training more than you do the, the high level stuff. Yes. Really? Uh, I use, I, I really thought that the high level stuff would sell. Yeah. Or at least are, that's where the money is, you know? And real, it's it's kind of like like bodybuilding. People will do will spend you know, all these thousands of dollars on supplements and maybe steroids or whatever to compete to get a plastic little uh, little trophy and a, and a red ribbon or a blue ribbon, whatever. But really, there's the the money is in like behind the scenes. It's in it's selling the supplements. It's selling you know advertising. It's it's not actually the thing that everyone sees. And it's the same thing with the competitive dog training. Uh, everyone sees like these fancy, like these you know, six hundred dollar e collars and all the gear and all these like uh, all the dog crates and all the all this fancy stuff. But like the that's where the money is not, is made. And and then going to someone's home and helping them, you know, if they're if they're a busy executive, you know, CEO of a company, 
um, they don't have time. Like their time's worth $500 an hour and it takes, you know, hours and hours to train the dog. They just say, you know, screw it. <laughs> Can someone please just help me because this dog is chewing up a $10,000 couch. Uh, my last <laughs> client, like they had just spent $12,000 on mulch that the dog just tore up. So they're like, I don't care what it costs. Just, it, it can't possibly cost $12,000. So just come train this dog because he's destroying my, you know, my $10 million home. I'm like, hey, I, I can be right there when it's, it's 10 o'clock or 2 o'clock more convenient for you. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. Wow, it's that simple. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you think about it, you know, more, more, more of your normal family's own dogs. And um, yeah, don't get me started on the whole dog thing, but... <laughs> because we've had several dogs over the years, still have a couple and, you know, I'm kind of done with the dog thing just from being tied down with them or whatever. But, um, mm -hmm. most of the kids are out of the house at this point. So, um, you know, they become somewhat of a liability and they, they need a lot of attention. They need to be cared for and I'm traveling a lot and gone a lot. So, mm -hmm. um, it becomes an issue, but I guarantee you there, most people, most people in my neighborhood, they go buy a dog and then they throw it out in the backyard and let it bark all, all, all day long and bother all, all the neighbors. And that's pretty much how they train their dog. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, and it's really, it's, it's the kind of people that I'm after. I'm selling an aspirational, Hey, look, you've got excellence in other areas of your life. Let's, let's sell the magical moment of being a happy family with this dog. That's just picture perfect. comes when called. It just adds to your life. It doesn't, uh, destroy your home. And it, it teaches your kids how to be you know, disciplined and whatever. Like, so I'm selling this a, a bigger concept besides just, you know, because um, they, they, these people don't want to compete with their dogs. They just want to come home at the end of the day and not have their shoes chewed up. Right. Uh, so, so they're confident. They see me that I'm competitive and like, okay, well, I guess you could probably teach me, you know, teach the dog, the dog uh, to, to not act like an idiot when I'm just trying to relax after a long day. So. <laughs> Yeah. So, how much how much of it is training the dog versus training the dog owner? <laughs> That's therein lies the secret. <laughs> I I can train a dog to be perfect in about three days, and it'll listen to me because the time the the art and science and the mechanical skill of that timing and the communication between teaching the dog how to act, it can I can get it done in like three days. Really? But it's it's teaching the dog how to, to listen to the owner who maybe is a little awkward with their timing. Uh, I make it look really easy. And, and then I see, I hand someone else the leash and they're like all over the place. And I didn't, I didn't realize that, you know, 10 years of making this thing look really easy. Um, there's a lot of a subtlety that, that they didn't get. And so, yeah, it's, it's mostly training. Once, once the dog understands, like the dog knows how to sit. If he does not sit when the owner hands it, uh, tells him to sit, why is that? Yeah. It's like, um, so it's really teaching the people how to communicate and be a leader and, and, you know, not just in their home, but in, in other areas too. So it's, it's teaching communication and empowering my people where it's not like there's no magic dust that I'm sprinkling on the dog or anybody. It's, it's simply teaching them how to, uh, be, be clearer with what they want from themselves and from their dogs and so it is it's a majority of it is training the people yeah all right hey hold on there a second we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back uncertainty comes in many forms in military life from unexpected changes in duty stations to sudden deployments we've all faced tough challenges individually but right now we're facing some together we know our members will face these times head-on still 
At Navy Federal Credit Union, we want you to know that we have your back because uncertain times call for reliable service. No matter what, we remain committed to serving all of our members all the time. That means our branches will remain open as long as possible. And the safety of our members, employees, and community is our first priority. You can also get in touch with our world-class member service. Whether you're on ship or ashore, at home or abroad, we've had our members' backs for 87 years in good times and bad. Maybe that's why we've been named one of the best military credit unions by U.S. News and World Report. Serving active duty, veterans, and their families. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Insured by NCUA. Hey, whenever we need anything done in any of our businesses, whether it's Amazon or projects for this podcast, we go straight to Fiverr and hire someone off Fiverr. We've used Fiverr for years, and I can honestly say we have never been disappointed for anybody that we hired on Fiverr. They've always over-delivered. Sometimes they've even come back several months later when we needed a change or something on down the road, even after they've been paid in full. And they did changes and modified some things that we needed fixed a few months later. Never been disappointed. And, and the quality of the work is as good as you can get. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. So I really recommend Fiverr. You can connect with businesses, freelancers. They offer hundreds of digital services, just about anything you would need, including graphic design, copywriting, web programming, film editing, and more. You can search by service, deadline, price, reviews, 24-7 customer support. A lot of the folks on Fiverr have worked with some of the most influential brands. So some of the biggest companies out there are hiring talent off of Fiverr also. That's how good it is. So it's real easy. Don't waste any more time. Get the service you deserve by going to Fiverr.com. That's F-I-V-E-R-R.com. And if you use my code VETERAN, you can get 10% off your first order. So take five and check out Fiverr.com. Be sure to use my code VETERAN on your first order and get 10% off. All right, back with Eric Bakey from Eric Bakey from uh, PMA Performance and Paradigm Dog Training. So, Eric, uh, in the break, you and I were talking offline, and uh, you said that you have to start with the begin. You have to begin with the end in mind, which is definitely somewhat of a military term, um, at least in operational planning. So, what are you talking about when you say begin with the end in mind? So, all of the 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 fundamentals of business are very very simple. They're not easy, but they're simple. And you really should begin with just a legal notepad and a pen and write out what are you really trying to accomplish? What makes you different? Uh, what, what kind of profits are you, are you trying to make? What are you, what are you really trying to, what, what is the impact you're trying to do? And all this can be spelled out very simply on a piece of paper. And unless you can explain the problem that you're solving and how much that problem is worth to your target market, uh, there's there's no sense in going any further. Uh, when I was doing consulting and marketing stuff, I it was very clear to help people understand what is the cost per lead, how much are you willing to pay per lead, what is the what is the percentage of conversion, like how many people do you need to talk to before you make a sale. All, all that very simple stuff was just mind blowing to the companies that I would work with, and I was just like, I, I never understood why the the people, the sales, marketing, and management were never on the same page. If I gave any one of them a, a whiteboard and a marker and say, how do you make this company money? Nobody could really explain it and they would all explain it differently. Hmm. So being very clear as the founder, who are, who you are, what is that, you know, if, speaking in military term, what, what is the end state? You know, hmm. What are you really trying to accomplish? And what do you, how do you do that for somebody? And like, who, who is your market? It cannot be everybody. It, it, and it cannot, it has to be a very clear, how do you lead and who do you serve? 
and what is the what is the value of what you sell and when you can if you <laughs> solve bigger problems you'll get bigger paychecks and if if you're just like the average dog trainer makes like $12 an hour mm-hmm. and and I've been able to sell premium dog training services because I was very clear about who it is that I was working with the kinds of zip codes that they lived in and exactly what what do they really care about and uh, like I crafted that message to a very specific person and and mine is is typically if you look at my clients they're they're 40 couple year old females who have the buying ability to spend lots of money on what they want mm-hmm. so being very careful to help them champion like being the the kind of the recognize that they are kind of the head of the household even though they're typically their their husbands are the you know the the, the CEO business owner type people but but honoring these these people and and being the preeminent provider of of a service that they really care about and helping them uh, create a home that that is peaceful for them and their kids and their husband and whatever so acknowledging them and and making sure that these people are comfortable with me coming to their house and training their dog and being alone with these people in their expensive homes all of that has to be very carefully laid out and spelled out in systems and processes but all that came after taking a piece of paper and writing out who it is that I'm trying to help and what is the value of the problem that I solve. And, and how so is that, it that you arrived at that specific, like I really love the, the, the fact that you niche down to, you're not like uh, wealthy people in this neighborhood. No, it, it's, it's a 40 something, 40 something year old female head of the household, more or less, even though, even though she might be married uh, that I'm going to be dealing with inner, you know, that kind of stuff. Like I remember when I started, was getting ready to start my podcast, people are like, well, who's your target audience? I'm like, well, I, I guess, I, you know, just about anybody that's interested in entrepreneurship. And <laughs> ultimately I niche down way down to, you know, veteran specific entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And that was the best thing I ever did. Cause mm-hmm. if I was so general, I wouldn't even know who I'm talking to. Um, right. so how was it you arrived at that target audience? Well, I, I originally thought I was going to sell to myself. I really thought I was going to go after this, uh, you know, 35-year-old hardcore sporting dog guy mm-hmm. covered in tattoos who's the most disciplined dog trainer ever. Like I thought I was going to sell to myself. <laughs> and then I wrote, like, what have I spent? I just, like, what have I actually spent money on? Have I spent money on a super expensive dog trainer? Mm. Well, no, I can't afford to do that. Mm. Uh, so I, I thought about, well, it's not me. And it's not the guy who, who uh, I thought I, I first shift had my uh, focus on like self-employed entrepreneur types. So again, I'm trying to sell to myself and like maybe you've got a kid and you're thinking about getting a dog and but you work from home so you're not sure about whether you can you know can have a dog come in here and screw up your life. And I saw that's first who I was going after and I wasn't getting any traction because again the, that message to market has to match. And so once I finally. Um, really talked to who, who I talked to a whole bunch of people who had dog problems, who was actually pulling out the credit cards to pay for dog trainers and how much are they willing to pay? And just, just talking to the audience and finding out, Oh, like there's a pattern here that all these people I'm talking to are, they, they fit this, this, you know, this avatar or whatever. And how much are they, I just started connecting the dots and seeing, it's like stepping back and 
figuring out, oh, there, there she is, and here's clearly what she wants, mm-hmm. and let me, let's find out what the price of elasticity is, and like, how do I go find more of them? So, yeah, so, um, yeah. <laughs> so can you talk a little bit about in the beginning when you started executing your marketing plan or your, you know, how you gathered your first few customers? Because you're well in the dog training at this point, but you had a big shift over to, okay, now I'm going to, now I'm going to do dog training for families. I mean, when when that first started, uh, do you remember your first client? Do you remember the first few customers and how that came about? Yeah, and instead of going to a cold market and trying to convince people that uh, they should train their dogs, I went to a high-end dog food and pet store that's on the main strat main strip of uh austin texas Mm -hmm. and so i went in there and and they said you know they've been approached by every dog trainer that you know because they've got this prime real estate and they're this premium business or whatever and they've been pitched by every every kind of anyone who's associated with pets whatsoever (laughs) wants something from them and so i came at them with a different angle and understood that what they really cared about and position myself as preeminent in their eyes and that I was going to guard their brand and guard their customers and I wasn't going to take anything from them. And I, and I said, Hey, look, you close at six 30 or six o'clock, whatever, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or, uh, during the week, Monday through Friday. And so between the hours of six and eight, you're paying rent on a facility that is generating you no income. I will, come in and pay you a percentage of whatever kind of training clients I can get and, and we'll operate in your pet store. I'll help sell your pet supplies and your pet food. And I just want your help to get my, the name out about my company and I will pay you a contingent fee on all of my training clients that you know we will operate in your area. And so it's a pure found money opportunity for you and approach them with uh, a, you know the background and the the value proposition that this is free money, and that is you know is going to guard your brand and, it, and effectively grow your business. Yeah, so that's, and, and that's you're able to bring in you're able to bring in clients in the off hours like that. Correct. Oh wow! And you, like later you shift to training at, at their houses at some point or? Yes, because that's actually why people were willing to pay a premium to come to, uh, were willing to pay to come to a group class, but they, they want they ultimately want. Uh, a level of service and yeah. they want to be, uh, they're willing to pay for it. So the group, if, the yeah. group class was a perfect fishing grounds for the individual clients. Correct. Wow. That's awesome. And also I could say, Hey, look, if you like, when people would call me up and say, how much do you charge? I'm like, Hey, look, I'm not the cheapest option. There's, you know, there's pet smart. There's, you know, this other, there's plenty of great trainers around Austin who will charge you, you know, a hundred bucks an hour or whatever. Um, but I, I work with clients and provide a, a comprehensive uh, approach that I guarantee that you, that you will be satisfied with the, the behaviors of your dog and it's going to create a bond for life and the training is going to stick forever. And it's, I'm not going to nickel and dime you for every minute that I'm on the clock. I'm not going to create an adversarial relationship with you and your family and try to hold out on secrets of dog training. Let's just agree on, on doing this month or two month program in your home where I'll come at your convenience and work with you and your family and create a customized program for what, for your lifestyle needs. What can you tell me more about what a dream come true dog looks like for you? Hmm. And, and then once they tell me that, I, I know exactly how much I could like that. That was, that was it. It's like, otherwise go to pet. Like there's a takeaway sale kind of, you know, go to PetSmart, go to somebody who's going to nickel and dime you 
or come to my category of one, either you know, in a group class, which where you're going to be embarrassed if your dog is really bad, you know, you're going to be embarrassed <laughs> by a whole bunch of your peers, or I can come to the, into the, you know, into this, the, into where the dog actually, where you actually are living, and help create, you know, sell sell the magical moment of like, uh, how you want your, your life to be, and that's also I just sell them what they already, I sell people what they want to buy. So, and so at a, this point, like at this point, do you have a pretty much standard price or standard package for most households? Yes. So, so what is it like? How did, what does that look like? Right now, it's three thousand dollars a month for three times a week for about an hour in your home, and that's for within fifteen minutes of my location in downtown Austin. And is it is typically that take one month or multiple months? It, the dog will be transformed in about a month and near perfect in two. Really? So yes. most people book you for three to six grand? Correct. Nice. And <clears throat> are you, you, are, you're the only trainer, right? Right now, I am trying to hire someone who has both the people skills and the ability to train mm-hmm. and be the dancing bear. One, like, <laughs> you have to be funny and engaging because I'm, I'm training like with kids. I'm training with, uh, you know, typically like they are. They happen to be prior military men. Typically, uh, I guess that they kind of like hiring guys like me and and be comfortable around their wives. You know, like I, I have, I have. I'm trying to find somebody that I can hire out, or I'm just going to license my systems and processes around the country, uh, the sales scripts and all that kind of stuff, so that I can build more scale into my business and, and just uh, be, you know, have programs for the I that I work with clients in Austin but instead of creating a franchise around the world and trying to find these like unicorn people um, just licensed to the to the really hungry dog training clients or tra- dog business professionals and license my systems and processes rather than some major franchise fee that I'm gonna have to beat people up if they're not following or whatever so mm-hmm. that's where, that's where my business is going now well Okay, so we, we are getting close to the end of our time. Um, how, how do we how do we find you? Do we do we look you up under Paradigm Dog Training? How do we look you up if we're interested in either in your services or getting some uh, somebody wants to reach out to you to get some uh, mentoring, some advice on running the business or something similar? Yeah, ParadigmDogTraining.com, and I'm all my contacts are very easily found there. But Eric at ParadigmDogTraining.com and I'm happy to answer any questions, for whether it's a fellow veteran trying to get into business, uh, specifically dog training if they want, um, and, and pretty much anyone who wants just uh, some straight talk from a fast, rugged, and irreverent kind of entrepreneur, you can look me up. I'm pretty easy to find. Awesome. Wait. Well, hey, Eric, uh, you shared some great wisdom, some good, good golden nuggets. Uh, I do want to give you the last, last word. If you're talking to that veteran out there, it's in a transition looking for what kind of space they may want to go into in entrepreneurship, business ownership, what kind of advice would you have for them? So what do you really want? Like, what do you, what do you really want? And the secret is that it's not about you. And it, it's like, who do you want to be? Like you are a reflection of your clients. So who do you want to be the hero to? It's a very important question to ask yourself. That's perfect. It, what do you want? But the secret is it's not about you. It's who you serve. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. All right. Well, hey, it's a great place. It's a great place to end. Um, thanks for uh, sharing everything. We look forward to your future success. Thank you very much for having me. All right. These two veterans are Oscar Mike. 
Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike. <laughs>